0: It's
1: 2020, and that's election season. That means it's time to start looking at some of the new laws and regulations that are going to pertain to the cannabis industry. And as we know, more and more states are progressing towards adult use or recreational use marijuana. One of the things that's often overlooked is the progression of the medical states that are coming online. In actuality, there's more states, there's 33 states within the union that have some form of medical law versus 11 states and counting D.C. that have a recreational law. So clearly the impetus is is more for medical or for states to to take on and adopt medical laws and then are transitioning into recreational laws. But what are the differences? We've talked previously about recreational laws and recreational market and how that pertains to consumers and some of the factors they wanna consider as they start looking at legislative efforts. What factors go into the medical law? Because what we're seeing is vast differences between medical states and recreational states. While recreational states seem to be consistent in terms of their programs, that's quite the contrary when we start looking at medical states. Welcome everyone, this is Pot Talk, and today we're gonna to talk about the medical application of cannabis laws within various states and that movement has progresses across the state. And to help us with that, we have a good friend, Matt. Matt's joining us again. He's a great host. Thank you. Thank you. The wisest man in the cannabis industry. (laughs) Uh, Matt comes from an extensive background in cannabis. He was a manager for the the 502 campaign in Washington State to legalize adult-use cannabis in Washington State. He's also helped launch multiple recreational businesses within Washington State. He was an active member and volunteer for the group Normal, which helps progress legalization efforts throughout the states. Uh, he's also a, a, an avid connoisseur of cannabis genetics and has roughly 500 various <laughs> strains of cannabis genetics in his library. So it's always great to have Matt. So thanks, Matt, for joining us. Thank you for having uh, me. To talk about a, a very important subject about you know medical laws, like where they're going, what people need to look at, and things they need to consider. No,
0: absolutely. No, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a good topic to talk about. Medical laws are often the, the precursor to recreational laws. And, you know, I mean, the cannabis plant can do a lot of different things. It certainly has a wide range of medical benefits. So I think it's important to get these laws on the books to, at, at the very least, get the people who need the help, the help that they need. So, for sure. Absolutely. So happy to talk about it. And again, thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. Always good. Always good, <laughs> good Matt. So one of the
0: things that I think is important, we kind of talked about
1: in the recreational episode, we're seeing a lot of consistencies as more and more states started adopting adult use laws. They seem to be rather consistent in terms of the do's and don'ts of what you can or an operator can and cannot do, what a a consumer can and cannot possess, or products they can't purchase. Those things tend to seem fairly consistent. The tax rates fluctuate a little bit Mm -hmm. from one state, but even that's not too far off the beaten path from one state to another. And then there's the medical market. Mm-hmm. What's up with the medical markets? I got well, to say markets because they all seem to be different.
0: They're all, they're all very different. It's really interesting to watch kind of how the, the medical markets sort of break out. You know, because like I said, it is it is treated as, in a medical law, a, a medical product. So the way that the state will allow you to consume it often often varies. I, I always like to, to talk about the, the example of medically of, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Fish talked about normal. I actually started my normal career with Philly normal. So at the time, New Jersey had just passed its medical marijuana law. And under that law, they only allowed smokable flour that was under 10% THC. They didn't really give a reason for that THC cap, but they did it. A few years later, when Pennsylvania enacted its medical law, it allowed everything but smokable flour. So, on one side of the Delaware River, you could only get smokable flour that you could roll a joint with. On the other side of the Delaware River, you had to go with oil or edibles. But, you know, never the twain shall meet. So, um, and eventually Pennsylvania changed its law to kind of just allow everything, and so did New Jersey eventually. But it is kind of interesting to see the ways in which a state will Limit you. I mean, there are states like you know, New York that doesn't allow edibles. They don't allow smokable flour either. And I think the idea behind that is it's supposed to be medicine. So I, I guess you're not supposed to smoke your medicine, which, you know, I mean, it's the only kind of medicine that gets smoked. As far as I could think of, far, you know, Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I can't think of a whole lot of others. So, you know, now now that I think marijuana has progressed to the point where you have recreational states and you have medical states. The states that are really bringing on new medical laws are, are the states that, honestly, you wouldn't have ever thought that they would have medical laws. I mean, there are states in the South, the the Great Plains, you know, places like that that have really had nothing for years. And, you know, I think there's been a rec- recognition that there are certain ailments that, you know, I mean, obviously everyone knows that very helpful for, for cancer pain and nausea, but, Ailments like multiple sclerosis, Crohn's disease. There are certain seizure disorders that there's really just nothing else out there that's as effective as marijuana at treating those specific symptoms. Parkinson's is another big one. Right. So, those states are recognizing that there's a real medical need for it, but maybe they don't want to give approval to people to necessarily buy flour. So, they'll allow, you know, sort of tinctures or real kind of standardized medical products, as close as they can, in their minds, wrap around the, the pharmaceutical industry, the better.
1: Without people having fun. Right, right. got to make sure people don't have fun with marijuana. That's that's really the kind of big impetus it seems like we're having with right. these medical laws. They incorporate aspects of it. That looks like it might be
0: fun. Right. We can't have
1: medicine be fun.
0: So, you know, and that thought is for... Know, then, then I guess that would be for the the recreational market to to have fun, but but right. medicine right. not supposed to be fun. But you know, I, I it does it it does create a, a new opportunity for them to see that you know this this thing does have benefit, and maybe it doesn't have the negative effect on society that we think it has. I mean, you know, fish you have here a, a list of the states this year that are considering medical marijuana laws in their. Idaho, Mississippi, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Alabama.
1: Right. A lot of places you wouldn't even think. You'd you not consider. Never,
0: those wouldn't be the first five that I would think That's of. That's right. Right. Um, so, you know, I think it's important just maybe in the, the minds and perceptions of folk to, to be able to have these medical laws on the books and see, okay, well, this is working in other places. Why can't it work here?
1: And one thing I could definitely speak to as a former or as a medical patient here in Washington State, I got my medical card about five years ago I'll say uh, it, it, when I before I got it I was very intimidated by what I thought the process would be to go get a license to get a, a medical card yep. and then with it I wasn't really aware of what that meant for me as a new patient if you will right uh, what did that mean I can go do where can I go like that it wasn't described it wasn't explained to me uh, and even though now that you know being a, a in the cannabis industry, I see that same thing happen. To a lot of folks, and you know, especially in East Coast states, mm-hmm. uh, they don't know they they live in a state that has a medical law. Yeah, where they're really not aware of what that means for them. What can they do with that?
0: Sure, sure. No, I I encounter this a lot. You know, um, a lot of my family is, is lives throughout the Northeast, and as they've gotten their laws over the past few years, um, there really is this this cloud of mystery over it, and I mean, I tell them, sometimes it's as simple as, as literally typing it into Google, you know, what? how do I get a medical card? And, you know, I mean, the process is relatively simple. I mean, you, there are certain doctors that, that will evaluate patients, you know, based on, on a, I mean, you have to have a medical history of one of these ailments, and then they'll evaluate you, and they will write a recommendation. Some states call it a prescription. Some states call it a prescription. Some states call it a recommendation, and there's that's a a debate back and forth within the medical community. But either way, you get your recommendation or prescription for marijuana, and then I mean, some states will have you register with the Department of Health, and you'll get a card, and now you can go to the dispensary. You know, let's speak to that because that's probably I know we talked about in the,
1: the recreational market episode. Who kind of regulates right. these markets? And, and these recreational states, like here in Washington State, they call it the Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board. Yep. Not dissimilar from most states. It's Whether it's the exact same name, it's generally mm-hmm. the whoever's monitoring or regulating alcohol within that state mm-hmm. tends to be picking up the cannabis component yep. as well. But who's doing it for the medical side?
0: Well, for the medical side, it's more often than not the Department of Health. Um, that will regulate it, and you know they'll they'll have oversight over it. Now they're obviously going to have a different approach to their regulation than you know, say a, a liquor board or Department of Revenue type of authority. Yeah, because the liquor board is an
1: enforcement; they have they right. have an enforcement branch with them yep. that we don't see in Department of Health
0: agencies. Sure. sure, you know, and I I think that's good too because there there still is. You know, we know that there is benefit to, to cannabis for certain health conditions, but there is a, a definite lack of research out there on how exactly it helps certain conditions. And that is 99% having to do with the fact that the government has never bothered to research it. Right. But the Department of Health is actually very curious about this in a lot of different states. So they want to monitor it and see essentially what conditions it's helpful for and you know long term they they want to do do well by their patients if it's if it's having a positive effect on the patients of their state they want to know that and one of the over the past i'd say 5 to 8 years big trends has been is using marijuana to treat chronic pain rather than opioids because obviously you know Most of us are pretty familiar with the fact there was a pretty big opioid epidemic over the past
1: couple of decades, right? Yeah, a couple decades.
0: And as states have legalized medical and even recreational marijuana, you've seen the rate of opioid prescriptions decline in almost every single instance. So if there's the potential to treat types of pain with marijuana instead of something that has potentially more severe consequences, then... That's something the Department of Health is going to want to track. So that's generally why they oversee the medical marijuana program. The thing it's interesting
1: too. If you make some great points about the department, and I, won't, without speaking directly for them, mm-hmm. their their interest is, I agree, as you as you point out, for the patient, you know, yeah. patient care, a person's care, if you will, their yep. well being. Yeah. Versus, let's say, like the alcohol and liquor cannabis board. They're certainly worried about public safety and public health for sure, but it's not their charter to be concerned about public health as a model, if you will. I mean, their job is the enforcement of the regulations. Absolutely, and probably you can argue more so for the economic interest of the state versus the health interest of the
0: state. Oh, for sure. I mean, there are certain states. I believe uh, Colorado's is regulated by the Department of Revenue. I mean, what does that tell you? Their prime concern is Hmm. right. (laughs) What do we want? I know. Whereas in, medical, in a medical setting, the tax revenue isn't typically the prime motivator. It's typically a, a public health benefit. A lot it's of states after. don't even have a
1: tax system for their no, medical law. No,
0: a lot don't. You know, In Washington State, if you're a medical patient and you have a medical card, you, know, you don't have to pay the sales tax at stores. Right. Because it's medicine. So that's kind of at least where they're more often than not coming from regulating with the Department of Health.
1: What kind of notable restrictions, if anything, are we seeing that are somewhat dominant or prevailing with most, most of these medical states versus, um, say, like a recreational component?
0: Well, the two main two main restrictions that you most often see when, when your state is coming up with a medical law is the types of products they allow, and I alluded to that a bit earlier. Right. Um, but also the number of dispensaries, typically, especially states in, in really the Northeast and the South will put pretty severe restrictions on the number of places where you can get your medical marijuana from. Right. Like, you know, I talked about New Jersey, that they started out with three. Now they have since realized that three is not enough to cover the entire state of New Jersey, but you know, they, they started small and then they gradually went bigger. The state of New York has 40, which is not enough to cover the state of New York, but they allow for delivery, home delivery. Are they so, limited
1: to 40 dispensaries? Is that kind of like the... By laws? law, yes. Okay.
0: They're limited to 40 right now. And they've actually, as of last month, just reached their 40th, so I'm sure they'll probably expand that soon because... In the entire state. Yeah. I, I grew up in New York, so I don't <laughs> understand how that right. even works. But those are the two typical restrictions that you'll see. Um, especially if your state, like I said, likely, if your state hasn't legalized medical marijuana yet, they're not Oregon, California, Hawaii, anything like that. So they're going to restrict.
1: Right. Access. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that. That's yeah, You're right sure. there. What we see versus you know, the, the West Coast, Left Coast yep. versus the East Coast medical states mm-hmm. uh, is, is certainly some differences in terms of you know, permit issuance. For sure. For example, as you mentioned, like Washington State, Oregon. Uh, even, I don't know about California, but Washington State and Oregon, you didn't have to have a permit, per se, to go open up a dispensary. No. To, no, to grow. Didn't. No. You did not. No. California, yeah. you did not either. They're very very much kind of a Wild West kind of feel versus, say, on the East Coast, for example, as you mentioned, there was a, a restriction on the number of permits out there.
0: Right. And, you know, from a sort of business standpoint, when you have those two different kinds of systems, you know, like the West Coast was very open market, so almost anybody could get into, you know, starting a some form of a medical business, and that meant the value of your business was based on what you did with it, what value you created. Right. Whereas on right. the East Coast and the South, where they severely limit these licenses, and in some states, like in Pennsylvania, there was a twenty five thousand dollar non refundable deposit just to apply, just to apply. So you know they're clearly catering to more big moneyed interest, Restrict number of licenses that makes those licenses more valuable. Correct. Doesn't matter how good you are at running a business, if you it's, have a license, it's it's worth something.
1: Which illustrates this challenge between the economic world and the, the health world of trying to Absolutely. find this balance. Certainly for the medical.
0: For sure. For right. sure. Right. Um, you know, in a lot of the 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 East Coast and South States, I mean, you'll have vertically integrated. Um, dispensaries, which means that the likely the store you get your product from also grew the product less less competition, but you know still some. Right. So it, it's a it's an evolving process still, but it's certainly a different model than we've seen out west. Not to say it's better or worse. Right, right. Yeah. It brings up a great point in terms of I think as people look at their
1: states' laws, you mentioned these five states are looking to add medical laws this year. We only mentioned these specific five states because they have nothing right now. Nothing. And they'll be looking to add something marijuana-related. Um, but there's not addressed you know, the other dozen activities that are happening in other states. But, you know, Some states are going from medical to recreational. Sure. Or you know, some states are revamping their medical programs yep. to make them more robust, for mm-hmm. example. So there's definitely a lot of activity. Oh, yeah. But as folks start looking at these things, there's definitely a lot of factors they want to start looking at how they're going to impact them beyond just the marijuana. And how these laws are in, incorporated within the states. For example, in Washington State, it has gun ownership restrictions. If you have a medical card, you can't have a concealed carry permit. Yeah. Now I'm not you know, just not about gun ownership. It just illustrates a point, though, that there's outside factors unrelated to marijuana that sometimes are getting attached to these laws that people may not be aware of. Absolutely. Uh, and how they're being implemented. You know, where are the locations of the center, dispensaries? Can mm-hmm. they be near a school, near a park? Mm-hmm. And a lot of these medical programs or medical laws don't really address those types of things, per se.
0: No, no, they don't. You know, typically when laws like the Alabama law, and I, I don't mean to, to harp on them because their law actually isn't really that bad, but, you know, that's created through the state legislature, just like Louisiana's was, which is more problematic. And the state legislature doesn't necessarily know how the supply chain of marijuana works. So... More often than not, there's gonna be problems in terms of who can grow the marijuana. In the state of Louisiana, there's only two licenses to grow all of the marijuana for the state of Louisiana. Now, I'll just come out and say that that's not enough. <laughs> that's <laughs> not enough. enough. So, you know, they, they may they may not get off to the smoothest start in some cases, but you know, it's important nonetheless that they do get off to some kind of start because, you know, at the end of the day, there are there's certainly people that want to use marijuana for you know, enjoyment purposes, alternative to alcohol, alternative to opioids, alternative to anxiety medication. All that stuff is is all valid and good, but you know, there's really an element of this in medical where there's people that have very serious ailments that really it's literally a matter of life and death. So That's true. it's important that those people get access to for this product, and actually, what, what really brought this about, especially in the South, is you are actually seeing people moving to other states. That is true. And that's why, like, an Alabama and a Mississippi is now considering a medical marijuana law, because they had so many of their residents move to places like Colorado, California, especially, Washington. Yeah,
1: especially parents with young children right. who have you know some sort of uh, the, medical... The fact that need their, the canvas is gonna serve their need. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's there's seizure disorders, there's yeah. certain um, certain forms of autism that it it like I said, it's literally a matter of, of life and death. And if your child is ill like that, I mean you're gonna do whatever it takes. You move. You move. That's right. So let's well,
1: it's shift topics a little bit. Can we talk about some of the, the regulations and some of the factors people want to consider as they look at their potentially medical marijuana laws being incorporated within their state. Let's look at some of the, the opportunities that go along with that. Sure. Uh, what opportunities do we see inherent with a lot of these basic opportunities inherent with these medical programs?
0: Right. Well, I mean, there's... You mentioned growing. Growing, obviously. Like, uh, you know, I think people think growing. How do I grow? Sure. I mean, the, the most... Obviously, someone is going to have to to grow the marijuana to to supply it to the patients. Um, So, typically, there's something known as a caregiver, which is is sort of someone who's licensed to grow the cannabis for a patient or a small group of patients.
1: So, for example, you're a caregiver. Mm -hmm. I'm a patient. Right. What's our relationship?
0: So... You have a, a a need for marijuana and I have a space that I'm able to grow marijuana in. So most of these states have laws that say a patient can grow, let's say six plants, right? Well, you said some of these patients are very, very sick and maybe can't necessarily do the physical work it takes to grow these plants. So right. they will then assign their six plant allotment to someone who is able to grow it. and then that caregiver returns the finished product to the patient when it's done being grown. And that's what a lot of what
1: we saw here on the West yes. Coast is
0: that the caregiver program. Yes.
1: Versus this kind of business more like model we're seeing develop pop up on the kind of East Coast.
0: Yes. On the on the East Coast and the South they're trying to have a little bit more a little more gatekeepers in terms of who can produce the medicine. Um, so that's where you'll see the limited number of licenses. Um, some states will specifically require them to be vertically integrated. So you have to do everything from the growing to the processing to the packaging to the selling. And while that can be a good business opportunity too, you have to have a little bit larger bank account to play in that world. True, true. Um, but, you know, there there's all kinds of, just in the general... And certainly
1: dispensaries. I think most people are fairly common with the idea of a dispensary. You can walk into a store and go buy something.
0: Correct. And someone has to own that store, operate that store, staff that store. So those are all opportunities there. Um, The other big opportunity is delivery services. Like I said, New York State, 40 dispensaries, but they allow home delivery. So the majority of patients are getting their product through home delivery. It was
1: huge in California.
0: It is. It, it is, yeah. And it was actually huge in New York City before there was any kind of market. It's just, it's a it's been a thing there for a while. So those are all separately kind of third-party contractors almost. So in a lot of these places, you can s- apply for a license for a much lower cost and and set up a company where your job is to basically take the product from where it's grown and deliver it to the patients that ordered it. Right. So that's a, a an emerging part of the cannabis industry, too. There's always my favorite. I love the plant
1: nursery. I know. I
0: know you love the plant nursery. What's
1: the plant nursery? I'll let you talk about it. It's my baby, but I'll let you talk about the plant nursery. Uh, I love plant the plant nursery.
0: nursery <laughs> is, you know, Fish at one point ran a very successful plant nursery. And it's a, a plant nursery is, you know, it's basically a way of providing plants to the people who will grow them out for you. Um, this is actually done quite often in lots of large scale you know food agriculture but you know in, in in especially medical cannabis it's a very valuable business because it allows you to basically grow certain genetics you know certain certain marijuana plants are better for certain things some sure. are better for glaucoma some are better for pain some are better for anxiety so it allows you to hold those and then when you say get an order from a grower, a caregiver that says, "Hey, I have a you know I have a patient that needs lots of blue dream for um, anxiety and nausea." Then it allows you to okay propagate those plants and and deliver them so they can be grown out and provide medicine to the patient. So it's a valuable valuable service because the diversity in genetics is in some ways it's almost more important in the medical field because if you're using the product to treat a specific ailment, well, then you want to be able to have repeatable medicine. Like, you know, I take ibuprofen for a headache, I don't want that ibuprofen to do different things different times. Right. I want to do the same thing every time and the same thing for cannabis. So if you have a certain strain that works really well for Crohn's disease, well, then if I have Crohn's disease and I'm using cannabis to treat my Crohn's disease, I'm going to want that every single time because... Maybe another strain that's good for, you know, stress and nausea might not do the same thing for me.
1: We even had a time, a period of time here, speaking specifically of Washington State, where we had a farmer's market. Yes. Where patients can literally go out to a place and look at a bunch of marijuana plants. Yep. And select which one they wanted to take home.
0: (laughs) Yep. Yes, they did. It was pretty Um, awesome. It was great. (laughs) I loved it. Um, And, you know, that... I don't. I don't know if Alabama's going to quite have the same thing, but that might be a stretch. Might be a stretch. Maybe one day. One um, day. One yeah. day for sure. Yeah. yeah. One day. Um, for sure. But yeah, no. I mean, there. There's all kinds of opportunities there because, like I said, the marijuana has to come from somewhere. It does. So
1: It has to get distributed somehow.
0: Right. And every every step in the supply chain is an opportunity for someone to pick up the ball and run with it. Yeah. Yeah. Until they pass it off to somebody else. For sure. So,
1: definitely a lot of opportunities. Absolutely. Uh, best way for those is, of course, you know, every state is different in terms of what they permit and what they won't permit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but there are definitely more and more states are opening up opportunities uh, to do, you know, plant nursery delivery. is Certainly a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I, I love the plant nursery because I was able to do it out of my garage. Yep. Uh, and every week I was able, I was producing about fifty plants out to patients and getting donations. We call them donations. Yep getting donations back in return for those plants. So definitely a lot of opportunities within, uh, within the medical market, uh, just as similar as they are in the recreational market. I have a lot of same opportunities.
0: Absolutely. And you know those opportunities, the, the longer the medical market goes on, the more those opportunities tend to expand because typically, like I said, these states will start with something very small and then realize there's a bigger demand than they imagined. So they'll expand and expand and expand. Yeah.
1: But the big point, the big takeaway to, to all the kind of medical blanket, if you will, or under the medical umbrella, is to not assume, because you're familiar with what you see on the TV with recreational states and recreational progression of legalization, but realize that medical laws are very, very different. Medical marijuana laws are very, very different than recreational laws, and it's incumbent upon those within those respective states to get familiar with their own state's laws, whether it's you're looking for an opportunity
0: mm-hmm.
1: or if you're looking for your own self-care, mm-hmm. uh, for patient care, uh, make yourself familiar with the respective laws. They're very different, and you mm-hmm. want to make sure you keep yourself within the limits of what the state permits.
0: Absolutely.
1: And as a reminder, for those who are looking for that type of information, it's always a safe bet you can look at your state's Department of Health, mm-hmm. whatever the agency, how they, they label that agency, as a good source for information, that, or starting point anyway. Mm-hmm what The medical
0: regulations are uh, that'll direct you to what you need to know from there. Mm-hmm. It would be, I, I I have to put a shameless plug for normal in here. Yeah, the, please take normal.org, it's a national organization for the reform of marijuana laws. They have a comprehensive list on their website of every, every state where their laws stand, where they potentially are going. So, if we didn't mention your specific state today and you're curious about what the laws may or may not be in your state. Normal dot org will have that list for you. Um, and they have an office or a rep in every state, correct? Uh yeah, they they have chapters chapter in, in I believe all fifty states. Certainly if kind of the states that they have the smallest following in are the states that are already legal. So if your states a, a you know Utah or Idaho or Mississippi of the world, they'll definitely have a chapter there for sure. It's n o r m l yep n o r m l
1: great 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 organization they do a lot of work yep uh, Matt was a member of that before and that was a great driving force to help get some of these medical laws put on the books and mm-hmm. um, more so to even, they even what we're seeing more so than anything is these medical laws are almost a precursor to the recreational programs
0: yes. getting rolled out yes they absolutely are so sometimes you got to start small but y'all crack that egg Crack that egg.
1: <laughs> well, thanks, folks, for joining us today. I uh, hope you get some good information about the differences between uh, the medical and recreational programs. We previously looked at the recreational programs. If you haven't checked that out, make sure you check out the recreational podcast and get some inside scoop about the laws and regulations and opportunities associated with the recreational market. Uh, and now here with the medical market, you can see some of these differences. Uh, make yourself aware. Look for the opportunities. Uh, but thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out pottalk.org. And get yourself connected to all our social media outlets. Uh, we have a number of library videos on Facebook and on and a lot of good information on our YouTube channel as well. So make sure you get yourself connected to that and check out all those past episodes and look for the future episodes as well. Thanks, Matt, for joining us. Thanks for having me uh, and your brilliant mind. And <laughs> <laughs> it's always always a pleasure. Appreciate everyone. Love you guys. Peace.